Welcome to Little Bit of Life podcast with your host, Tabitha, better known as Little. A lot of you may know her from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. Dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats about what we seem to think, but don't say. Special guests will join in along the way that have impacted her in a profound way. Very little is left off limits, so sit back, enjoy, and here's your host. Welcome to Little Bit of Life. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as Little on social media. Today, we talk to Molly. What an amazing story. And you're probably wondering, why is she bringing two separate episodes to us on the same day? This never happens. Why? Because I'm heated. Why? Because this story needs to be said. It's very time sensitive. And it's something that doesn't need to be happening. What are we talking about? Sexual assault on college campuses. I was introduced to Molly through Facebook, through social media, and she posted, um, it's been about two days now, and she posted on Facebook for the society and the community to come together and really support her because her college was not helping her. She posted that she was sexually assaulted on Georgetown College campus for two and a half weeks, and she finally spoke out about this on Monday. Instead of helping, the campus has given her 48 hours to leave or she could be arrested. She has only $100 to her name, and she wanted to know if anyone had any resources for housing for just a couple of weeks until she can save enough to get her own place. She does not have family or friends that are close by to turn to, as they are all out of state. She has already filed a police report, and she is not only being victimized, but she is also being harassed, and she is being told that she needs to silence herself and her story from her own college. I am so honored to have Molly on this episode today, and please reach out, support, and love each other. Hey guys, welcome into another episode of Little Bit of Life podcast with Little. I was sent some information from a great friend of mine. She has been on here as well. She had her own episode. And on this podcast, we talk about all the things that we seem to think, but don't say. And the reason is because so many times, especially with this topic of sexual assault, when we say how we feel and we talk about our healing stages and the process, Not only does it take us right back to that moment, and for us as victims, it's extremely difficult to talk about and share, but in a society where it's judged upon to tell your feelings or to speak out about what happened, almost times victims are made to feel ashamed, embarrassed, and they are to be silent. And that's why we're doing this episode today, to bring awareness to something that is so important to me, and as I said earlier in many episodes, one time is too many, and this has to stop. I have a guest with me today. Her name is Molly, and she's a student. She goes to Georgetown College. Molly, how are you today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm okay. I would love to say I would like to have you on as a guest for a different reason, um, especially with what you're going through. So for listeners, um, would you like to let them know maybe um, a little bit about your college, what made you pick there, and then we can kind of go into your story. Um, so I go to Georgetown College. It's a really small college um, in Georgetown, Kentucky. I chose there because I do have a family history there. I had family on the board um, for over 30 years. Um, up until my freshman year, I'm now a junior. Um, I, my biological father's family, like we have a hall here. We have an entire house dedicated to our family. So it's definitely... Um, an area I thought would be safe and comfortable and that um, I had I had a community. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had never heard any of the things that had happened and definitely going there, I've heard and experienced a lot of things that I wasn't prepared for. Um, I was receiving information, like I said, through a good friend of mine through Facebook. Um, She lives locally. They're also one of the sponsors for this episode. And they're very, very supportive in regards to helping you. Um, In regards to what you posted and being so outspoken for those that have not seen it on Facebook, what was your Facebook about? Why did you go to social media and reach out to the community for help? Well, originally, I actually posted anonymously. Um, I was afraid of the backlash I would face if I had my name attached to it. Um, After hearing what some of the other people have gone through, I thought it would be safe enough to post it anonymously. Um, I was sexually assaulted for two weeks um, by a woman I was roommates with. And when I brought it to the school's attention, I actually brought it to their attention before we even moved in together. They refused to let me switch rooms and they made me stay with her for two and a half weeks. And then I requested to change rooms. And after I filed a police report, then I was able to change rooms. And at this point, nothing has happened to my, I I won't say her name because I don't want her to have that power over me. To me, she is just my assaulter. Mm-hmm. And um, she has faced no consequences while I was mm-hmm. dropped from all of my classes, um, told I had 48 hours to leave. So I posted in a Facebook group asking if anybody knew any housing resources um, or anywhere that would help me until I was able to save enough. Mind you, I'm a 20 year, I'm 20 years old. I don't manage money as well as I should. I'm still learning that aspect of life. I don't think any of us do, especially now with everything being so expensive. I don't think any of us are good at that. So definitely pat yourself on the back because I don't think it's just you. (laughs) So I was just looking for resources for housing. And from there, I had so many parents and other students and people have been through the same thing or alumni who experienced their friends going through it, reaching out to me, telling me their stories or telling me snippets of other people's stories. And I had people asking for my number so they could give it to the other victims who have been through it and who were silenced by the college. And the school gave me a conditional reoffer that if I took down my Facebook post, released an apology and no longer spoke about it, then I would be allowed back in classes as of tomorrow, Tuesday. That's not something I'm comfortable with. I'm not going to stop talking about it because after as many stories as I heard of people being silenced by it, that's not okay. When I met with administration originally to try and get my classes back, They refused to allow me, but when they saw my Facebook post, they sent me a message. Hey, you can come back on these terms. Um, I have messages. I have videos of them asking me to take down my post. I have videos of them um, telling me, like, that they can't do anything about it, that because I'm a woman, it would be too traumatic for me to continue classes, and that I just needed to take time and figure out what I want to do with my life from there. And then they actually reached out to my parents and my parents from the very beginning, well, not the very beginning. I didn't tell them about what was happening while it was happening. But come Monday, when I filed the police report, immediately 
Both my parents are retired military. My mom was, as I told you, a sharp advocate. She is very much um, somebody I can talk about emotions with. And then my dad is more of a person who will take action. Both of my parents are retired veterans for after serving over 30 years in the military. And my dad was a police officer after that. So I know my dad would help me with legal rights, um, knowing what I can do and what they can do to me. Um, and he would help advocate for me with the school. And even with him calling and my mom calling and everybody, I had other people on Facebook reaching out to them, um, asking them to reconsider all, do all these things. And the school still shut me down. Their campus safety was refusing to even go with me into the other room, to the room I was originally placed in where my assaulter still lives, to remove my things from the room. They were refusing to go with me, that they it wasn't in their job description, that they couldn't help me with that. It took my dad in the very last day after I had to miss classes to go in. I knew she was in class to go and get my stuff out of the room and transfer it to the new one all the way across campus. It took my dad reaching out to our housing dean um, and basically telling him he didn't have the balls to look me in the face after what he did for him to come and assist, I, I put air quotes around that, assist me in moving my things out, um, along with campus safety finally showed up after I took all week, and this was just Friday after all week, begging them to even stand in there so I could just go in there and not be terrified looking at her. Campus did not support me. They definitely have not supported the other victims that I have heard of or have been contacted by. Um, so many of them were forced to sign an NDA and completely silenced on the subject. Um, so some of them can't still come forward. They still don't have that option. I refuse to let them silence me like that. It's not right. And it, I know I have resources and I know I have people supporting me, but I know that there is somebody else out there who's not going to have the resources, who's not going to have the support system that I have. I have parents who thankfully are experienced in the subject. My parents are amazing. I love them, but they're over 2,000 miles away from where I live. So it's not like I can just run home to my parents. But I know that there's somebody who's not going to have the opportunities that I've had. Given my family history, I have um, a grandmother who lives here who is still very much in contact. She is my biological father's mom. She is very much in contact with our law firm in Lexington and is trying to reach out to them about legal, you know, advice or support. Um, she's reached out to the school. She's um, helped just as much as my parents have. She's been contacting my parents when I'm going on my periods where I can't speak because I've gotten to the point where I skipped from sad to angry over the past week. So, so, so fast. I, have lashed out at my parents. I have two younger brothers who are my absolute world, who I have told my parents I am at a point where I can't talk to them. And it's hurting them at this point too, because I want to hold them and tell them that the world is going to be a good place, but it's not. And I want them to feel safe, but I know at this point, they're 14 and 9, and I'm so already terrified for when they go to college or when they have to experience the world like this.
with listeners right now that may not be familiar with Georgetown College, all you have to do is simply Google and you're going to see all of the things that come up about this college. When parents and us in society, when we send someone to college, it's something we want them to be proud of. We want that student to be proud that they are going to a college, that they are furthering their education, that they are meeting new people, but also finding who they are and finding what the rest of their life looks like. And when you look up Georgetown, it's it's really just disgusting to me that there's so many lawsuits, not only just filed against their president, but also with other students that are have gone through the same thing that you're stating of they the administrators were attempting to silence them after their attack and there is such a failure to provide security that could prevent this from happening and it's incredible to me your strength and just you coming out and being so public and not being silenced by a massive college that obviously this is a huge problem this is something that is continuing to happen on their campus And that's why I'm so honored to have you on today, because we are not doing this to bash anyone or to make anyone feel uncomfortable. We're trying to make this an eye-opening experience that one time is too many. And when something like this does happen, we cannot have the victims feel that they don't have a place to speak. And like you said, there may be someone that doesn't have the resources. There may be someone that doesn't know where to turn. And in reaction to those, And the administration stating, like, stay quiet, remove your Facebook post, make a public apology. It's almost like you are being punished. And this is something that was traumatic. It's something that you will always live with for the rest of your life. And when you go somewhere out of out of state or even in your own state and you go to college, that sense of security and safety should not be something that is for some, but not for others. It should be for everybody. So how do you feel especially with this going, I mean, it's so recent and you're going through this right now. How do you feel in regards to how they put your safety at risk? Do you feel that you were safe when you went there? Or do you feel like it just took this moment of them to just state like, we're sweeping this under the rug, don't talk about it. And they just expect you to go about your business. For the past two years, I felt comfortable. Um, I never really felt like at home. I know people go to college and they're like, I found where I'm going to live for the rest of my life. I knew this was just temporary for me. Um, I'm not, I don't feel safe anywhere now. If I am in my car with my doors locked, I am still searching everywhere to see if there's anybody around me because I was raised, you know, every, every woman is raised you can't trust men. It's men that are going to do it. I had a woman do it to me. And now I don't know if I can trust men or women at this point. And it's affected. I'm in a long-term relationship. It's affected that relationship. It's affected my parents' relationships. It's affected my relationship, obviously with my siblings. And it's like, there's no safe place. My parents have tried to like, you know, they're like, lock the doors. I'm at a hotel right now. And they're like, lock the doors, make sure it's locked. And even then I'm struggling to sleep until I'm to the point where I'm absolutely exhausted because I'm so terrified. I had them put me on the middle floor because if I was on the ground floor, I knew I would definitely not be sleeping, having a window there or anything like that. I feel like this entire town is just built on so many lies and cover-ups that There is no safe place. 
And I know that that's not right. Um, there's people who were raised here their entire lives who I know feel comfortable in the community and everything, but I wasn't, I'm from originally from Colorado. My parents now live in Florida. This is, it's, oh, it's terrifying. It's terrifying not having any family to turn to or any, I don't have friendships out here because all the friendships I had lived with me in that apartment and have all taken to ignoring me, have blocked me on everything. And they witnessed what happened and they did nothing themselves. I was with two other women and they did nothing themselves. Even when I asked for help or I asked if they could, you know, like help me out, like figuring a way to communicate it to her in a way other than no, that would make more sense because I thought no was clear enough, but apparently even for a girl, it's not. With your situation, here you are not only trying to figure out what comes next, but you are uprooted, which was not your fault. Um, now you're in a hotel, and now you're trying to figure out housing. Have they, besides sending that offer of you can come back, have they helped assist you in any way? No, they have not. The only place that has given me even resources of where I can get mental health help. Um, I met with an amazing victims advocate at, well, two different. I met with the one through the Georgetown Police Department. Um, she gave me resources for um, the only one that was nearby that would help with housing that put me in the hotel, um, a place called Elizabeth's Village. It is absolutely amazing. The people I met there, I met two wonderful women who were very adamant in helping me and made on such short term, like they were closing at five and I was in there at four 30 and they stayed as long as they could. They helped me get a place. They helped me find other mental health resources. They gave me the 24 hour hotline because this has taken, I've struggled with mental health in the past. Um, this has taken such a toll that I felt paralyzed from fear. Like I didn't get out of bed for 24 hours over that. I didn't get out of bed to pee. I didn't get out of bed to shower. I didn't brush my hair. I haven't brushed my hair in a week. I haven't showered in a week. I finally showered yesterday while I had a friend sitting outside the bathroom door talking to me so I could actually shower for the first time because I was so terrified to be in there alone. Like there is no sense of safety here. Being that you're so public, like you said, you went anonymous first on Facebook. And then, you know, before we started the recording, you're like, they then took notice when there seemed to be a name associated with someone that was speaking out. What is your feelings on, I mean, to me, it's almost like they are backing you into a corner. It's you're in a lose-lose situation. If you want to go back and continue your schooling, you have to do what they say. But I'm so frustrated for you because if they would have yeah. kept their safety and security and just their respect of you as a student, you wouldn't be in the situation you're in. So what does the future look like for you in speaking out? Because so many people are helping you, which is great. And it's a great support system, but this happened within your college. This happened within what you were creating as your, as your safe space. So how does that make you feel in regards to them stating like, you know, basically you will do this in order to get back what we have taken away from you. 
I, I will not be going back there. Um, I have until tomorrow to decide, but at this point, I will be making another Facebook post today with my name attached to it this time because I posted anonymously. I never posted my name to it. So I'm going to be posting with my name to it with a more detailed Mm -hmm. description with the actual events of what happened because they can easily revoke that from me at any time. If I slip up and I say something, they'll be like, oh, you're done. You still owe us all of this tuition. I refused to be silenced for an education. I don't see myself going here anymore. I don't see myself ever feeling safe here enough to actually get an education. So I refuse to not talk about it because if I don't talk about it, how long is it going to be and how many other people are there going to be before it is talked about? Obviously, there are other cases. I'm not going to say their names because it's not my right to bring in other victims, but just doing a simple Google search, I had never thought of Googling sexual assault on my campus before I moved somewhere. I never thought to do that. Um, Come to find out, I lived across from one of the most notorious sexual assaults last year, directly across from where it happened, and nobody said anything on campus. I didn't find out till the very end of the year because that is how not talked about it is. It is so kept in wraps, even with the publicity. Nothing is being talked about. Nothing is changing. Especially with publicity. I mean, we see this with not only sexual assault cases, but anyone that is in regards to being in a victim situation. You get a lot of press like notoriety in the very beginning. You have the media. You have all of these outlets that come in because they want a story. But the biggest issue that I always have, and I have a lot of friends that are within the sexual assault community with veterans and civilians, men and women, this affects not only the victim, but the entire community of this victim. Like you said, your family, your parents, your friends, it affects every relationship surrounding you. So we're really doing this to bring focus to what happens when the story or the media dies down. You're still going to be going through PTSD and having panic attacks and having anxiety and not feeling safe for however long that takes you in your healing process. So when the media and all of the stories start to die down, what are we doing for change, especially within a college? And it it bothers me. I mean, I went to college years ago. I mean, I feel old now, but I never thought to do that. I never thought to look up, you know, sexual assault cases on my campus. Um, I was more excited to get into my apartment and meet my roommates and be away from my parents and have that feeling of I'm independent. I can do if I want to stay up till two in the morning, I can finally do that. And you start trusting the people that are surrounding you because they become part of your family because you're away from home. And this is a huge issue because this is when we are vulnerable. This is when we are meeting new people. And this is something that the college has to become responsible in regards to providing not only security and safety, but opportunities when victims need the help, housing, transferring, um, mental health, emotional health. This is really important, especially with this topic. Um, I would love to have you not only continue to speak about this because it's very important. And I know it's so hard when you're a victim because it takes you back there. 
Um, you can always tag the podcast, Little Bit of Life, in the Facebook. Um, I would love to use my social media platforms to not only get you in connection with people that may be able to assist with housing, um, but also bring awareness because the more people that link together in this community to state this is not acceptable, I feel that this college, Georgetown, needs pressure and they need to to know that not only is this not acceptable to have on your campus, but what are you doing for these victims after the traumatic experience is over? So for you, what does the future look like? What are you hoping that maybe you'll get from the community or support system or maybe even the college? What are you hoping that the healing process looks like for you? From the college, I'm hoping that they change everything about the way that they handle their victims. Um, I spoke with a male friend of mine who also attends the college and we talked last night and he was so angry to hear that this is still happening. He's on his last year and he has witnessed everything that has happened for the past four years. And he, even, even from a male who is, he's, very outspoken, very in the community, very in the college, and he's still angry at the way that it's happening. And I told him, I said, imagine how it would feel to be one of the victims. And I watched a grown man cry at the thought of being in a position of feeling so powerless like I do now. Um, the college, I'd spoke with their Title IX coordinator, and even they told me, oh, well, the only thing that we can recommend is that you file a police report, and that's about all that we can do. They had no resources to offer me. Um, they didn't even offer me on-campus counselors we have. They didn't offer any resources, anything at all. And that, to me, was disgusting. And I feel like I want our Title IX to have more resources mm -hmm. to have that voice for victims because they didn't offer any. I, I asked if somebody could sit in me, with me in a meeting so I could speak with them and have, when I get too overwhelmed to speak, have somebody to speak for me to the dean. And I thought that with a female president, there would have been more change around what we have going on, especially after our last president's scandal with the sexual assault and everything else, I thought that having a female president, it would have been okay to speak out, that we would have had the resources, that she would have made sure, especially after everything she has seen from everybody. And there isn't. There's no resources. There's no support. There's, as a woman, you're too fragile. It's too traumatic for you. But it's also not just women who go through this. And I know that. And I feel like there needs to be support from everybody. You can't talk to about, to it to just anybody on campus. This is very much a Southern-rooted state. It's not something talked about. It is shameful to speak about. And I'm not from the South. My parents, I love them to death, and they made a very safe space where I could talk to them about anything at any time. And I know they will listen and do their best to help. And even if they can't, then they're still going to try and find something. My parents did Google. They Googled everything they could. They were finding resources that the school couldn't offer me, even though they were within five minutes from the school. They were sending me links. They were sending me paragraphs. They were sending me 
well, this is what you can do. You can go here, you can go here. And I feel like that's something the school should have been doing. The school mm-hmm. should have been that Title IX resource officer. Well, Title IX coordinator. She should have been advocating. And she was, mm-hmm. that's not really something I can help you with. And the school was making my parents not believe me. And that shut me down even more. That made me not want to speak about it. I almost deleted my Facebook post. I almost got so angry. And they need to change the way that they handle it. They need to come up with... They should have ready resources. If if you contact about a housing change, they shouldn't question why you're doing it. If it's... If it is in my case, like, because I didn't... I was getting messages from this person sexual before I even moved on campus. So I had emailed our Dean of Housing and had asked for a room change before moving even happened, before rooms were even set. And I was told no. If somebody is emailing because of a situation, you should do what you can to find an, a housing or come up with something. Even if it's not a lot, there could always be so much more that they're doing. I could not imagine not having a support system and going through that. I, even with the support system, I'll own it. I was suicidal. I was dealing with so much mental agony. I felt it hard to even wake up. I'll be honest, even today, I got up 10 minutes ago. Before before this started, I got up 10 minutes before it started because I haven't had the energy to. And nobody should feel like that. No victim should feel like that, especially at the hands of the people they're supposed to be able to rely on. I think with it being a school and getting funding for, I mean, let's be real here. They're getting funding for sports and athletics. And we need to really focus on preventing this from happening, not reacting once it already happens. And then trying to cover it up, making it seem as though, oh, well, this is just this happened to you, but, you know, we don't want you to talk about it. And it just goes away and it doesn't go away. And for those victims, it doesn't go away for the rest of your life. Um, Like you said in the beginning, this is also something that does not happen just between a male and a woman. This is something that happens between two females, two males. It's happening all across the United States and all over the world. And yet victims are always demanded to stay silent move along with their life. And most times, like you said, the abuser has no retaliation, nothing that happens to them. And that's the most frustrating part is they wonder why victims do not feel comfortable and safe and strong and supported in speaking out because they make you feel like you're the problem. So I'm very honored to have you on today. I'm so honored to not only share your story, but this is also going to be something that Many students may listen to and they may say, okay, I'm in this situation, but I spoke to one person and the school shut it down, or I don't know where to turn. So I'm very fortunate to not only talk about this topic that is so difficult for so many people to face that this is something that is occurring far too often, but it's something that is going to connect not only the victims, but also hopefully bring some spotlight onto the school and state enough is enough. How many people need to become victims and how many lives need to be tragically interrupted from sexual assault? And what are you going to do about it? 
This is your host, Little, signing off with another episode of Little Bit of Life podcast. If you would like to help out Molly, please make sure to check out the bio of this episode for her contact information on social media. And if you have any links or any opportunities within your community, make sure to reach out to Little Bit of Life podcast on the Facebook as well as our website. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow on your favorite platform. And interact with the podcast Facebook as well as on Instagram at littlecute1az. We'll see you next time.